Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. True Hauntings is a Human Labs original podcast. Measuring only 34.6 square kilometres, this South Pacific wonder is said to be the most haunted place in Australia with more documented ghosts per square kilometre than any other state or territory. Soldiers in colourful uniforms have been seen outside Government House. Empire-gowned and crinoline ladies are said to have revisited their old home. The clanking of the chain gangs can also be heard when the wind howls through the Norfolk Pines. Welcome to this week's episode of the True Hauntings Podcast. I'm Anne Rekovich. And I'm Renata Daniel. And we are heading to Norfolk Island. Anne and Renata have been investigating paranormal occurrences for the past 20 years. They have been at the center of various unexplained phenomena and have witnessed countless ghostly experiences. The duo now turn to high-profile cases that have attracted the eyes of the world. Between the dimensions we see and the dimensions we don't, supernatural forces are at play. Evil lurks within the shadows of our homes and in the darkest corners of our minds. It follows us like a shadow forever. This is where nightmares become reality. This is True Hauntings. Hey, Renata. How you doing? I'm almost scared to ask. (laughs) She closes her eyes and grits her teeth as I uh, ask that. I'm super. I'm doing well. We're thinking positive, aren't we? Yes, we are. Isn't Bonnie doing a fabulous job of these podcasts? Yep, she is. She is. Thank you so much, Bonnie. I couldn't even tell the difference between one and the other, so I'm super, super impressed. Thank you, Bonnie, from Newcastle Live Radio, giving them a plug. Make sure you download the app and listen in, particularly on Sundays from 8 till 10 p.m., because that's us. (laughs) (laughs) That's Sydney time. Anyway, what's been happening? Um, we've been busy and yeah, we've we been have. absolutely flat chat doing things for uh, different networks and radio shows and all of that sort mm. of stuff. So, um, yes, we had we had a little bit of a um, business mentoring session this week, didn't we? Yeah, we did. <laughs> and mm. that was a little bit um, ouchy, actually. Mm. Mm. Uh, it, it was, as, as you said, um, filled with come to Jesus moments. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
as we sort of get told we're doing way too much. Yes. Uh, so we, we're going to have to sort of look at what, what we're doing. But True Hornings podcast will be safe. I'm mm-hmm. telling you that now. Mm-hmm. That is our absolute love. Mm-hmm. We love doing this so much. But yes, we've got um, tours coming up this weekend. Um, as you've probably worked out, some of the episodes are a little bit behind with our chit chat. And you can hear how long yeah, that we actually did that... Oh, months ago, but uh, we'll catch up shortly, mm-hmm. uh, and we will be taking a break over Christmas, and we should actually try and work out whether this is the Christmas break. This this could be about it. Mm. It could be. It could be. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll work that a little bit later. Make sure we wish you all a happy Christmas. Mm. <laughs> if you want to send presents, I'll give you a postal address. But look, um, we've we've got a lot of stuff coming up, and the reason why we decided to throw in Norfolk Island is because we're going to go there, and we're going to take a bunch of Aussies with us, and uh, there's spots for twenty people, and we're going to do a true hauntings. Real tour of the island with the gorgeous Liz McCoy, who is one of the uh, descendants of the original Mutiny Mutiny on the Bounty. Mm -hmm. Yep. Very exciting. And it's my third visit, your second. Second. I think it's your fourth, isn't it? It could be. I think it's my third. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I'm happy to go back as many times as they'll take me. As many times. I just love the place. Yeah, Norfolk is is that um, great type of um, a place where you can really breathe and allow yourself to relax. Yeah, you can. Mm. But we're going to get on with the story because the stories are amazing and we will chat about our own experiences um, while, you know, we're we're talking about it. Yeah. Mm. The houses in Quality Row were built by convicts. That at number seven was built for the Protestant clergyman of the island's second and harshest convict settlement. All of the houses have thick stone walls and high ceilings and generous fireplaces. In winter, when the chill south wind blows salty raindrops across the wide veranda to rattle on the windows and a fire is burning in the hearth and the lights are low, the silence conspires with the shadows in the corners to dissolve time and blur the distinction between past and present. After the Pitcanners arrived in 1856, Number 7 was home to part Tahitian descendants of mutineers of HMS Bounty. In more recent years, it has housed a succession of senior government officials and their families, one of whom is the subject of this story. The official and his wife, we shall call them Mr. and Mrs. G, were enjoying the coziness of a fire one wintry night. Their boys were at the movies and their teenage daughter had gone out with friends. When it was time, Mr. G drove off to bring the boys home. When he returned, he heard what had happened in his absence. The living room fireplace was flanked on each side by an easy chair and in front of it was a large and comfortable couch. Mrs G had made herself comfortable on this to read. As she was placed, the easy chair nearest her was in the edge of her vision and when she lowered her book, her gaze fell on the clock on the front wall before her. She was aware of the time when... In the corner of the room behind her, she heard the passage door open and someone come in, cross the room 
and sit in the easy chair by her. Clearly, it was her daughter, for although Mrs. G had continued reading, she could see the long, pale dress her daughter was wearing that evening and her long, dark hair. Moreover, she saw her as she seated herself and leaned forward and touched Mrs. G on the arm. At this point, Mrs. G lowered her book and turned to speak. But the chair was empty. No one was there. A look around the room confirmed its emptiness. The clock showed no lapse of time. There was no sensation of having slept and no sensation of alarm. There was only the incredible circumstance of having heard, seen and felt someone who then inexplicably had vanished. Mrs. G rose and went through the house calling her daughter still not accepting that she was alone in the building. She had not long resumed her place on the couch when Mr. G and their sons returned, and she could tell of what had happened to her, still with disbelief. It was not until the next morning when their daughter confirmed that she had not returned until much later in the night that what had happened was accepted. Anyone who has been in that situation will know that it is wise to be cautious in telling about it, and so the first confidant chosen was an islander of sympathetic nature. The response was one of understanding. Of course, the islander knew who the visitor was and why she had come. It could only be Aunt Ewi, or Evie to the mainlanders, a gentle and lovable soul who had lived in the row and was probably wished, as usual, to forewarn of some impending sorrow. Sad news of Mrs. G's sister came soon after. Oh, that's a nice story. I've actually got goosebumps. Mm. That's really weird. That was from the book called Ghosts of Norfolk by G and M. Hitch. It's a collection of described experience with illustration, maps and diagrams. And Renata, you bought that on the island. Mm-hmm. I did. And I went into a flap the other day because I went, I can't find any ghost <laughs> books. Renata, please help me, help me. And she did. She came to the fore with two juicy ones. Mm, yes. Yes. So let's go into the history of Norfolk Island and, and why it's important to uh, Australia and why there is such a rich colonial history associated with the island. And um, we have to go back a ways to get that. But if you have a look on the map and try and find Norfolk Island, um, get a good map. <laughs> <laughs> because the likelihood is it's so small that you won't be able to find it. In actual fact, when you fly over, X marks the spot and the X is actually the runway that oh, that's the right. planes yes. land on. It's an X. <laughs> Didn't we have a great time last time we landed too? <laughs> oh, boy, we landed. We landed with a thump. Yeah, we were flying in and apparently we almost didn't fly out that particular trip because there was bad weather. Yes. And they cancelled every flight except one going to LA and ours going to Norfolk Island. And um, the the pilot was great. She dodged a lot of the, the bad stuff. And as we got close to the island, they did this 
this descent into hell. <laughs> and um, she had to come down at a harder angle than normal, I think. And uh, we hit the ground, the tarmac, so hard in the landing that oxygen masks <laughs> fell out. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure there were some people that lost their teeth. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Mark got a video. We'll have to get the video and share it if we can find oh, it. Oh, wow. Um, but there is a bit of a tradition that the Norfolk Islanders are um, pranksters and jesters and, and they like to have a bit of a laugh. And they had somebody sitting up the end of the runway that holds up scorecards. Apparently that one got a three. <laughs> But they oh. actually said how skilled she was to be able to even land in that weather. So yes. we're grateful because otherwise our trip would have been cancelled. Yes, yes. So, yes, it is very remote. And when you look at the placement of the island, um, it is really um, east of the east coast of Queensland and north west of New Zealand about the same distance mm-hmm. and sits in the middle of the ocean with nothing close by. Lots of pine trees. Lots of pine trees, yes. So it it looks and it is a paradise for us and it hasn't changed a lot in the last few years, um, but it certainly wasn't a paradise for the convicts that were sent there from England in the 18th century. And Norfolk Island served as a penal colony from 1788 to 1855. Um, It was actually opened and closed and then opened and closed. And it it has a very uh, big connection to Newcastle because many of the convicts that spent time on Norfolk Island and survived actually came out to Newcastle. Oh, so we could have rallies. Maybe. Maybe. Mm. So Captain Cook was the first European to set foot on Norfolk Island in October 1774 as part of his second voyage to the South Pacific and he named the island after Mary Howard, Duchess of Norfolk. Such were the challenges of receiving news at sea for the 18th century explorers that at the time Cook named the island after her, the Duchess had been dead for 18 months. (laughs) So she, she didn't even know about didn't it. Didn't even know about it, no. <laughs> now, exactly where is Norfolk Island? Glad you asked. Think remote and you'll be close. So on a map of the globe, it appears as a tiny speck somewhere east of Australia and northwest of New Zealand, as mentioned. Prepare to zoom on uh Google Maps. <laughs> yes, yes. And look, when you're flying over, you literally see both sides of the island. <laughs> but do not let that deter you. Do not let that deter you at all because it is super impressive once oh, you land. Oh, it's just glorious. Mm. So in 1786, Catherine the Great of Russia announced that she was restricting sales of hemp and flax to English buyers. Now, you might ask, why did people need hemp and flax? Why did people need hemp and flax, Renata? Well, at the time, Britain's Royal Navy was heavily dependent on flax for making sails and hemp for ropes. Any constraints on their supply threatened Britain's sea power. And in a letter from controller of the Navy, Sir Charles Middleton, to the then Prime Minister, William Pitt, he explained... It is for hemp only we are dependent on Russia. Masts can be procured from Nova Scotia and iron in plenty from the ores of this country. But it is impracticable to carry on a naval war without hemp. 
Oh, okay. Right. I just thought you made nice clothes out of that and coffee bags. Well, nowadays, yes, but not back then. Okay. So the potential to provide an alternative source for hemp and flax is argued by some historians, notably Geoffrey Blaney in Tyranny of Distance, as one of the main reasons Britain used Norfolk Island as a penal colony. Lloyd's Evening Post ran an article dated the 5th of October 1787 observing... Should England cease to render her services to the Empress of Russia in a war against the Turks, there can be little of nothing to fear from her ill will. England will speedily be enabled to draw from her colonies the staple of Russia, hemp and flax. So the thinking behind all of this was Norfolk Island, we land there and and we've been there. We see the size and the height of the Norfolk Pines. Oh, very impressive. And they are as straight as a die. Yep. And so when they landed, finally, and they found an area where they could land because there is one side of Norfolk Island that is absolutely impossible for... Mm-hmm. Sheer cliffs. Yep, getting off. Think of the Princess Bride, those cliffs of whatever they are as yep. they're trying to climb up them. And, um, Inconceivable. They, they took one look at these Norfolk Pines and said... Eureka! We've found our mouth. We have found our mouth. Let's give the Queen of Russia the bird and say we don't need you no Uh, more. Let's just cut these buggers down and let's let's use them for masts. But unfortunately, the Norfolk Pines, even though they are so strong and straight, they are bendy. (laughs) (laughs) I wish you could see the move she's doing right now. She would put all the Hawaiians to shame. Mm. And uh, so they weren't really any good. No. Mm. Yes. So this was a problem. So Sir John Call, the first baronet, um, was a member of parliament and former chief engineer with the East India Company. And upon learning that flax grew in abundance on Norfolk Island, he proposed that the island be colonised as quickly as possible. As soon as possible, please. Send a party to secure Norfolk Island as soon as circumstances may admit of it to prevent it being occupied by the subjects of any other European power. Get it before those other buggers do. Those (laughs) French bastards. (laughs) Because the French were all over it. Oh, okay. Uh, And so on the 6th of March, 1788, colonisation of Norfolk Island began with a party of 15 convicts and seven free men. Oh, that sounds like a fabulous party. (laughs) Absolutely. Party poppers? Streamers, Whee! balloons, every, everything. Pass the parcel. <laughs> oh, they only had 15 convicts and seven free men anyway. Wouldn't have been a long game. So during the first year of the settlement, more convicts and soldiers arrived from Australia and a letter from an officer of Marines was published in a London newspaper and it said, The island is fully wooded. Its timber is, in the opinion of everyone, the most beautiful and finest in the world. They are most suitable for masts, yards, spars and such. Nah, no. (laughs) The New Zealand flax plant grows there in abundance. European grains and seeds also thrive wonderfully well on Norfolk Island. And that is true. Mm. They do grow beautiful Everything's so green. Vegetables and everything, yes. So Norfolk Island was reserved for the worst description of convicts, which usually meant anyone convicted twice of a crime, doubly convicted capital respites, or as we would know them in um, in Newcastle, double distilled. Double distilled. Double distilled convicts. Mm -mm. Um, All convicts were sentenced to death for committing fresh colonial crimes, but were spared the gallows in favour of life on Norfolk Island. 
Oh, gee, goody. <laughs> Let's read about what night life on Norfolk Island was. I'll do that in a minute. So in reality, only 15% of convicts had done anything deserving of the death sentence. Most were guilty of non-violent crimes against property, for which the average sentence was three years. Even so, treatment of prisoners was harsh. And one of the more severe governors, Ralph Darling, commanded that every man should be worked in irons, that the example may deter others from the commission of crime to hold out Norfolk Island as a place of extremist punishment short of death. Not so much a darling. No. Apparently so. um, the devil's at the door. The dogs have gone to rescue our souls, so don't worry. The, the dogs are going to fix that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll read you a, a bit from another book here. Oh, it's called I do like a bit. Convict Kingston by Nan Smith. And uh, this is just a, a little report from 1846 by the Reverend Rogers. And he says, I have known 13 men locked up in a cell commonly called the nunnery, a room six foot or 1.8 metres by 12 foot, 3.6 metres, when the thermometer was at 100 degrees. Ooh. It is difficult to conceive anything more oppressive or disgusting than that so many men should be locked up for 14 days and oh, nights no. in these suffocating cells in a poisonous stench arriving from night stools and scarcely any ventilation just because a set of ruffian constables were encouraged to earn a detestable sort of merit by swelling the charge sheet with cases for the police office. Wow, what a description. The stench of the night stools. Yes, so they'd have a bucket in the corner. And they all shit in it. Sorry, where, pooped in where it. they would poop in it. Absolutely right. Yep. Ah, oh dear. And there is more beautiful stuff. Um, of course, the lash ruled in Norfolk Island and most of those poor souls uh, were in leg irons. And not only was it the, the convicts that went there, but they sent the worst leaders possible mm. the, the the cruelest of humanity to bring these convicts back in line and and most of these people i reckon should have been convicts themselves mm-hmm. absolutely so these poor wretched souls they worked in the mill they built the roads offices houses and other government buildings and there's a book called the F- uh, for the term of his natural life by marcus clark where he describes norfolk island as a hell in paradise they made a movie of the term of his natural life it was a black and white and you're hard pressed to try and find it I thought there was a newer one than that. There was. The original one is just crazy. Now, 1846, uh, a report by Magistrate Robert Pringle Stewart exposed the horrors of torture and incessant flogging, the scarcity and poor quality of food and the inadequacy of housing and corruption by overseers. Yeah, you can get a bit of a chafe from incessant flogging. (laughs) Oh, dear. Oh, God, the hell. Yes, you are. (laughs) So there were several unsuccessful mutinies, all desperate attempts to escape the hardships. Where do they go? I mean, you'd have to kill everyone, really, to get anywhere. Mm. 
Because you can't I mean, hide. You, you can't hide, and you can't just get in a in a in a boat. Well, there was one convict that hid. <laughs> oh dear! On visiting Norfolk Island um, to comfort Mutiny, sentenced to execution, Father William Ullathorne, uh, Vicar General of Sydney, remarked the most heart-rendering scene I have ever witnessed. A literal fact that each man who heard his reprieve wept bitterly, and that each man who heard of his condemnation to death went down on his knees with dry eyes and thanked God. So they were happy to die to get out of the place. Oh, no. What? That's, that's, sorry, I'm not scared of ghosts. I'm scared of humans. Yep. Norfolk Island ceased to be a penal colony in May 1855 after the convicts were transferred to Tasmania. Transportation transportation ceased and it was left abandoned. Uh, Now, I'm just going back to say that um, Norfolk Island was opened as a penal settlement, closed, and those initial convicts came back to Sydney. Mm -hmm. Then it was reopened again. Right, uh, and the 1855 date that I just mentioned was the second time it closed when the convicts went to Tasmania. Mm-hmm. A year later, in June 1856, the British government permitted the relocation of the Pitcairners to Norfolk Island. Descendants of the HMS Bounty Mutinies, including those of Fletcher Christian, arrived from the Pitcairn Islands to occupy many of the old penal settlements and continue their lives as farmers and whalers. So they were originally on the island and scooted off mm-hmm. so that the convicts could come on. But the uh, seeing those names on the headstones mm. in the cemetery, and look, the the islanders have, are taking such great care of maintaining these headstones, so you can read them and see the history. It, it just blows your mind. Yes. A gravestone in the cemetery marks the passing of the granddaughter of the famous mutineer Fletcher Christian, who just happened to marry another Fletcher Christian from Pitcairn. In loving memory of Peggy Christian, the loving wife of Fletcher Christian, who died on Norfolk Island May the 12th, 1884, aged 64, it says. The new community of Pitcairners would have appreciated the mutiny attempts of the mistreated convicts as the 1935 award-winning movie Mutiny on the Bounty starring a clean-shaven Clark Gable portrayed and there would only be a handful of people who even know who that actor is. (laughs) Renata had a crush on him. Don't tell Scarlett. She was my hero growing up, yes. (laughs) Captain Bly, Mr. Christian, they respect but one law, the law of fear. I expect you to carry out whatever orders I give whenever I give them. And Fletcher Christian, Christian returned by saying, now you've given your last command on this ship. We'll be men again if we have to hang for it. Frankly, I don't give a damn. Yes, <laughs> the cemetery is full of convict graves and those of the descendants of the mutiny of, of on the bounty pit cairners. Yes, so today Norfolk Island is part of the Australian Convict Sites UNESCO World Heritage Site mm-hmm. and your story uh, actually is situated in... The Carver District, which is where all of those um, National Trust houses are associated down um, in the area where uh, they can bring in the vessels and bring in any of the, the goods and resources that are 
um, allowed to come into Norfolk Island when the weather is good. Yeah, Quality Row is mm. all the, the lovely houses are. Um, but we watch them bring the supplies in and the only way they can get supplies are, are through... Supplies! <laughs> supplies! That goes with the party they had earlier. Uh, is uh, either by... Um, aircraft and that's normally parcels and mail that comes that way mm-hmm. uh, but it comes in on barges on yes. ships so the ships actually have to moor away from the island and then they get these barges that go out and the the cranes on the ships lower the stuff into the the ships and then they motorboat it back in now They've, they have everything from cars, uh-huh. um, building supplies, poker yep. machines, yep. alcohol. Oh, well, not poker <laughs> machines. There was a, a bit of an accident with there the poker was. machines. There was. And there was a whoopsie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the poker, the only poker machines that even got close to Norfolk Island are now at the bottom of the ocean. Do you reckon somebody did it on purpose? Yes. <laughs> because there was a big kerfuffle about the fact that the, um, I think it was the RSL or whatever, the wanted, to put, wanted to put some poker machines yeah, so the Russell has no poker machines. No. That's weird. No. Yes. Um, yeah, so when we were there last, they actually, one of the barges or had gone adrift, I think, and they'd lost it. They lost it. it. <laughs> they, they lost it. They were trying to find it. And they were down, they had no fresh milk. Yes, we were down to skim milk only. (laughs) (laughs) But this is island life. I mean, this is these guys are so self-sufficient. Nothing goes to waste, Mm -hmm. um, and they will make do with whatever's going. They were starting to ration flour. Yes, um, because we were we snuck in in the middle of all the COVID. There was a, a couple of months where we could get out of the country and we mm-hmm. managed to fly over there. It was so glorious. Uh, so they were running short. They don't normally run that short, mm-hmm. but with the COVID issues and, and getting supplies and bad weather, it was just, it was a fun time, but we had lots, lots and lots of fresh produce mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. Uh, we time. wouldn't have known that there was anything wrong because no. the people they, of the island will take the suffering yeah. for the tourists that come. Yeah. Yep, you'd, you'd never miss out. And you wouldn't even know it was skim milk except that it was... <laughs> it was horrendous. So unfortunately, some of the cafes lost our business because they, they, they only had skim milk. Yeah, sometimes we had to suck it up, though, because ne- they do do good coffee. They do that very good coffee. Very good coffee. Just take some milk with you. Uh, and they, their, their pastries and oh, cakes are... Their cakes, because oh it's all, all made on the island. Yes, with the, the fresh, fresh, like, tropical fruit and everything. There oh. is no keto on the island. Any- Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Anyway, um, so what we thought we'd talk about, we're going to do this a little bit different with the, the ghost stories, is that we wanted to tell you about our experiences on the island. I mean, there are some well-known ghost stories there. Um, there is the old uh, graveyard where the beautiful Colleen McCulloch is buried, mm-hmm. um, and she has the tiniest little simple headstone. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't even know that she was a, a international best-selling author, and she was loved by everyone there and you can actually visit her house and Mm -hmm. and see everything that's there but um did you know about the ghost on the cliff no i I found some ghosts i'd never heard of so i'll I'll give you a couple little stories on the road to the cable station there is a place where the ghosts gather at night Mm -hmm. people claim to have seen the spirit of a lone figure standing on a cliff looking out over the sea it is believed that this is the ghost of a convict who expected to escape by boat, he was promised to be picked up, and when the boat finally arrived, he drowned in the rough sea. People have tried to approach the ghost, but he vanishes before they reach him. And look, there was this cottage as well. I've not heard of Limerick Cottage. Have you heard of Limerick Cottage? No. We're going to have to hit Liz up for this one and find out where is Limerick Cottage. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's one of the best-known haunted places on the island. This is where William Henry Tennyson Perry and his wife Susanna, now I do remember them talking about Susanna, moved in after their marriage in 1839. I wonder if it's one of the cottages in Quality Row. Mm. Poor Susanna died in 1841. She was buried in the old cemetery next to her infant daughter who died along with her. William didn't mourn his wife and daughter long. He remarried a young lady by the name of Margaret Jane. Susanna's headstone says she died 15 days after giving birth of her daughter, but it doesn't tell how. Residents of the island claim hearing the sounds of someone being choked to death near her grave on certain dates each year. Did William murder Susanna? You like? I like. Later residents of Limerick Cottage also witnessed something strange in the neighbourhood. <laughs> Sorry. A bright light once came flying towards the cottage before transforming into a young lady. At first they thought it was the a real girl, but later they noticed she was floating. Mm-hmm. A bit of a giveaway. <laughs> Feet aren't touching the floor. So, oh, hello. Why aren't you on the ground? You need to be grounded. Her skin was very pale, but she looked stunningly beautiful. And in spite of the fact that the witnesses were frightened. <laughs> Hello. Uh, they sensed she was harmless. 
Several people on different locations, different occasions, witnessed this young lady's ghost, and she is called Lady Jane. But it's more probable that this is the spirit of poor Susanna. This comes from uh, littlehouseofhorrors.com. It was a a website that I found. Uh, And, of course, there's the the, uh, reports of soldiers being seen in Mm -hmm. their uniforms and the clanking chains Mm -hmm. of the convicts. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, we did an investigation in one of the buildings next to... um, was it the, the not the Parliament House, what they call it? Government House. Mm-hmm. Uh, and remember we set everything up. I think it was the surgeon's room. So we're talking about how it was the surgeon's room. The rooms. surgeon's quarters. Yes. And we set up all these things in the hallway. Uh, we had, our, of course, our famous cat balls. Mm-hmm. And we took a photograph of it and then we locked the place up. Mm-hmm. And then we went out the back to a different area to work. Mm -hmm. And when we came back in, there was three or four items that had moved several meters. Mm -hmm. That's true. And that was that was astounding. Yes. I do like that. We've had some great spirit box sessions. There is a famous place called the duplex. The duplex. That is so cool. Oh, wow. And it appeared on um, one of the TV shows, The One, I think it is, where they're testing the psychic mediums. Uh-huh. Um, and it's to me, it's the equivalent of Gravedigger's Cottage at Q Station, if anyone's mm-hmm. been there. It gives me the heebie-jeebies, and there's not many places that give me the heebie-jeebies. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you remember we were there, I think it was the the second time we were there uh, and there was a group because it's it's two houses that are joined together so duplex you've got a wall they share a wall in the middle yep. and there, the one group had gone out the back of the first duplex and uh, we'd come out of the second duplex and we were going into that first duplex and we heard a bang mm-hmm. and you and I went we better go check this yes. so we've got out our little Handy cams, our, I think it was on our phones, and said, let's let's video this as we go in. And the door was open. It had reopened. Yes, that's and true. And we went in. The back door was open as well. Mm-hmm. And we had locked it because I'm one of these people, when I lock a door, I actually pull it back and forth to make sure it's locked. Mm-hmm. So I know it was locked. Uh, and we have no idea what caused the bang. Mm-hmm. But we did some table tipping out in the back quarters. Oh, Wow. Yep. And it was the weirdest table. It was one of those ones that had like a slat top. Yeah. It wasn't a full top. It was just slats of timber. So it's sort of like a, an old, um, almost 1960s barbecue table with the uh, metal legs that will fold up. So you could fold the whole thing up or down and it had the solid wooden slats and mm-hmm. it was heavy. It took yep. two people to move it. And we were trying to explain to the people there what table tipping was all about. And of course, uh, we normally use a specific type of table, which is a, a three-legged wooden table. Mm-hmm. And you can't just go down to the op shop and got buy one at no. Norfolk. No, you can't. <laughs> so you've got to make do with whatever's there. So they said to us, well, what about this? Can we try this? And we looked at it and went, oh, no, I don't think that's going to work, but we'll give it a crack. We, You know, why not? Mm-hmm. It can only not work. Mm-hmm. So we all sat down and we had Simeon. Remember we had Simeon there? Uh, and strange things happen when Sim is on the table. He's got a story that I'll tell you shortly too. We placed our hands on the table And we started to ask questions and it vibrated. I remember it was this pulsing. 
And then it began to rock and shudder. Mm-hmm. And then we got... Oh, no, that must be Jesus at the door this time. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, the dogs are nuts. Uh, then um, we got Liz to speak in Norfolk to them. Yes. And it's a special dialect. You can sort of understand it, can't you? Yeah, it's like... It- Pigeon English, Yorley. kind of. Yeah, yeah. Yorley. I remember that. Uh, and we had no idea what she was saying, but the table went nuts. nuts. Mm-hmm. And we we're all looking at it. We've all got our fingers on top, and we've got some people who've never done this before, and their eyes are bulging out of their heads mm-hmm. as this table is bucking. Mm-hmm. And Liz got a little bit of a video of that. I wonder if we can find that and pop it up mm-hmm. too. Yeah. That was an extraordinary session. And since then, Liz and Yvette and some of the others have formed their own little Norfolk Island team, mm-hmm. and they've started doing their own table tipping sessions. Yes, it's so good to see. Yep. And they've made contact with Susanna. Mm-hmm. And they were asking, because I remember this from our last trip, they were talking about Susanna and the baby and how she was buried down there. And now this all is coming together and making sense. Mm. But I have to tell you about Simeon's story. Oh, yes. That's a a classic. A classic. Because this happened during the day. It did. And then it carried on into the night as well. So... Uh, there is a beautiful uh, beach there called Emily Bay, mm-hmm. and it's got crystal blue waters, and it's protected by a rock outcrop so that it's almost like a giant swimming pool. Mm-hmm. And they've even got a, a pontoon in the middle that you can jump off, and you have turtles that swim in, and it's glorious. When we go in March, we might even take our bathers out. We might. I don't think so. We'll have to, we'll have to trim the hedges. <laughs> Not, not happening. Got a chainsaw? It's been a while. <laughs> anyway, not happening. Simmy braved the water uh, and uh, his partner Graham had wandered off to go and explore some ruins around the place and left Sim there. So Sim sort of got himself comfortable on the beach towel, face down, soaking up the sun. And then he heard somebody walk up the beach and plonk themselves next to him. And he, without moving his head, just said, um, so how was that, Graham? Was it good? Graham didn't respond. So Sim turned his head to have a look. And there was no one there. Mm. But there was the imprint of a bum next to him in the sand. Wow. So that, that startled him a bit. But he sort of, because he'd been hanging out with us for a while, sort of said, well, hello. Thank you for coming to visit me. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you want, but hello. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he didn't feel threatened. And then just as quickly, the sensation of somebody being there left. Mm-hmm. That night, we went to the cemetery. Mm-hmm. And Simeon was drawn to a certain area. We got the spirit boxes out. We started the spirit box session. And he started to get responses at this stage I'd wandered off and then they called me over they go Anne Anne come over come over we've made contact with this person and they were actually sitting in front of the grave of a young officer Mm -hmm. and when you read his headstone he had fallen overboard in Emily Bay and drowned yes oh I've got goosebumps and Simeon was asking through the spirit box was that you that visited me today and he was getting Yes, Mm. it was. So it was just astounding that of all the places, he ended up in front of this headstone with 
a young officer who had drowned in the bay. Mm-hmm. But there were so many stories when you read the headstones of people who had drowned in that bay. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's not that deep there. Yep. But these people didn't know how to swim. They were land-bound in most cases and um, didn't have to learn how to swim. And the the idea also was to not teach them how to swim so they could just die more quickly. Yes. And the officers would be in these big, heavy uniforms and... and they were wolves. Yeah, they were just... Thick, as they And they buttoned up so they would swell up as soon as they went over. You wouldn't be able to unbutton it and get out quick no. at all. Oh, but there was there was another place just outside the cemetery called Murderer's Mound. Yes. Remember that one? Mm-hmm. And that they used to have a lot of mutinies there, uh, or wasn't on a ship, but good name to use with that, that family line, mm-hmm. uh, where the convicts are treated so poorly that they would quite often raise up in arms and try to overthrow the establishment. But mm-hmm. of course, they would always lose. So um, there was this murderer's mound where they just threw all the bodies in by the side of the sea and, and covered it back up again. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's supposed to be a bit of a haunted location there. There is also the Bloody Bridge. The Bloody Bridge. Bloody Bridge. Uh, and this is supposed to be, um, it's a glorious bridge, uh, built with convict blood, sweat and tears. Mm-hmm. Legend has it that during the construction of the Bloody Bridge, a tyrannical overseer pushed his work gang to breaking point and ended up with a pickaxe embedded in his skull. <laughs> Yes. Take that. Yes. Fearing a punishment even worse than their overseer's grisly fate, the convicts swiftly walled their tormentor into the bridge's stonework, going, we don't know what happened to him. He just disappeared. (laughs) (laughs) We're just here working away. And And we look up and we go, he's just disappeared. He's gone. Um, and so there was questions, of course. Um, all went well for the work gang until the replacement overseer noted blood oozing from the still wet mortar. Mm. Oop, da <laughs> And there's a story that the kids used. They, the kids love to um, ask their parents to go over the bloody bridge because. It's the only time they can actually say bloody. <laughs> they can get away with it. Uh, and we used to stay um, at one of the places where they had the ghost of Mariah. Yes. Remember Liz telling us about Mariah? Mm-hmm. And she was the lady that owned this particular building. And when we were there for the first time, my husband Roman came with me uh, and they asked us, could we investigate the kitchen area? Because some of the staff were freaking out. They felt like there was somebody who was um, about to jump on them or they were constantly being watched. And uh, we got in there with our, would you believe, the K2s. Mm -hmm. And it turned out there was incredibly high EMF in that little corridor. And then when when you walked around to the other side, there was all these big air conditioning units. Yes. And it was putting out this thrum, which gave you the infrasound. Mm-hmm. So we actually debunked that one. Mm-hmm. But it was great to actually get in there and, and use our nous on mm-hmm. Norfolk Island. But mm-hmm. we do believe Mariah is there because we did some table tipping there Mm -hmm. after we had our um, murder mystery dinner. Yes. And she reached out to us as well. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
Oh, it's, look, it's story after story after story. Yeah. Uh, one of our g- greatest experiences was at the RSL where we oh, reached of out. Course. We reached out to um, the spirits there and um, they have a wall of remembrance where they have photographs of all of the people that have gone to war and have passed over. Uh, and it's just this full wall of photographs. And uh, we did a huge Estes experiment where we had a table full of people sitting um, with their backs to the wall. Yes. And we weren't even associating anything with the wall at that point in time. It was quite a quiet night to begin with. The spirits weren't really reaching out and... Uh, we were getting a little bit bored and so I decided to go over to the wall and I said, come on guys, come on, show me where you are. If you're here, let me know where you are. You've got to be here. Look at all of these photos. And all of a sudden, people on the headphones started saying, go left, go right, move a little bit further. And we were hearing all of these directions and I'd be pointing to photos and going, is that you? Is that you? No, go left, left. And so I'd point to the next photo and there'd be a yes, you know, and so we'd start to ask questions. What are you wearing or what What are you? What else is in the photograph or whatever? And we'd be getting responses. And yeah. this went on for 45 minutes. Very specific responses. Very specific responses. Like even down to what are you on? A yes. horse. Yes. What colour is your ribbon? Yellow. Yes. And we couldn't actually see it because we had red onto the, uh, we were using red light mm. and uh, we had to turn white light on to see what the colour of the ribbon was. Mm. And it was yellow. Yeah. We were shocked. That was an amazing, this one of the most profound nights I've ever had. And I'm t- I've got good news. We are going to be going back there this trip. Oh. To, we're going to have dinner and then investigate afterwards oh, again. Oh, wow. Oh, so I've got goosebumps just even saying that. Mm. Now, look, I found a newspaper article, which mm-hmm. I thought, I'd read to you from September 1939, the Western Star and Roman Advertiser. Mm-hmm. Now it's about R-O-M-A, Roma. Uh, and it's entitled The Ghosts of Norfolk Island, Eerie Tales Told of Haunted Ruins. From 1939. In addition to its great natural beauty and much architectural loveliness, Norfolk Island has its favourite ghosts as a further attraction. Sad to say, most of the old buildings are in ruins. Well, not anymore. They've done so much renovation. Mm. But among those ruins and in some of the buildings of the convict era, era that still stand are, according to the islanders, wandering spirits, which are old friends of present residents. Stories of hauntings are told of government house but their origins cannot be traced. And an old island lady who passed her youth in the house stoutly maintains she never heard or saw anything supernatural. Quality Row, where most of the officers' houses stand, has its eerie tales. Soldiers in the colourful uniforms of old and empire-gowned crinoline ladies are said to have revisited their old homes, and the clanking of the chain gangs is held to re-echo at times. Sound familiar? Mm. Be that as it may, the lovely old stone cottages and the sad ruins are full of stories. I think that's meant to be full. Somebody had a typo. (laughs) Beyond Quality Row lives the graveyard, and if you walk past there after dark, you must whistle to send wandering spirits back to their resting place. Mm. Have you heard of that before? No. You must whistle as you go past a graveyard. Uh, 
cemetery. Hi, Christy. On the way to the cable station, there is one part of the road where ghosts are said to foregather after dark and above the headstone landing place a lone figure has is persistently claimed to be seen from time to time standing on the cliff and gazing out to sea. That's the one that we're talking about that suddenly vanishes. He is supposed to be the ghost of a convict who tried to escape by boat. But sadly, he drowned while attempting to reach the boat. So once again, we have some of these same stories that are being repeated. Mm-hmm. Yep. But uh, I, I just love the 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 history and the stories and and the people of Norfolk Island. Now, last time we were there, we were able to do. Um, one of our naughty and nice tarot shows. Yes. Wasn't it a hoot? It was. It was just for the locals because they'd had no entertainers or entertainment for a year, I think it was. Yep. And they got us instead. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And they they got right into it and there was so much laughter and the guy behind the bar poured the best drinks I've ever seen, Mm -hmm. plus cooked up some fresh fish and chips for everyone. Mm Look, they had a ball. They did. They did. Now, is is there anything I've left out, Renata? Anything you can think of? Oh, there's lots. There's there's so much, and there are so many awesome places. And I, I have to mention the diorama that is there. Now, I've I've been there three you, times. Never yeah. gone into for the diorama. I have to you tell you, I used to curl my nose up and go, "I'm not going to a diorama. What is it? High yeah. school or oh, no, primary right. school?" But it blows you away. It was. It was. It was. Wow. Yeah. It, it's amazing. Amazing. So, uh, and there is, uh, there's local chocolate, there's local wines, um, there's horse riding there. Um, they have a botanical gardens there. Um, and uh, for people who are, what do we call it? Taffophiles? Mm-hmm. If I got that right. Yes. yes yep. Who love looking at the headstones and cemeteries. Yep. Wait till you see the symbols that are on some of these headstones and the carvings. Do you mm. remember those? The skull and crossbones and uh, Masonic symbols mm. and it's wow. Mm. And Liz, who we've mentioned before, actually said to us that um, she took part in actually um, reviving those headstones. Mm. And the, we find that the, the people there wear multiple caps. Mm-hmm. They don't just have one job. Mm-hmm. They'll have four Many, or five yeah. jobs. As what is needed on the island, they'll switch caps and go do it. Mm-hmm. So, Renata, that brings us to the end. Mm-hmm. Is Norfolk Island truly haunted? I think so. I think it is too. Yeah. From our experiences that we've had, it's all been gentle and beautiful and mm-hmm. jaw-droppingly amazing. But when you think of the horrors yes. that those convicts suffered, and I remember you were reading to me a um, – do you want to quickly read it? Quick, mm. the, the one about the new piece of equipment yes. that they'd brought out. Uh, Martin Cash tells us about one of the new instruments of torture introduced by Price, uh, which was an iron frame about six foot, 1.8 metres long and two and a half feet, 76 centimetres wide, having round iron bars placed transversely about 12 inches or 30 centimetres apart. The prisoner on being placed in a horizontal 
position on the frame with his head projecting over the end and without any means of support was then firmly lashed with cord and in this position he would remain in darkness for the space of 12 hours. This torture was called the stretcher. He goes on to say that a man called Campbell had been subjected to this punishment so often and to solitary confinement for such a length of time that his jailer, on entering the cell one morning, found him dead upon the stretcher. And from that time, Mr. Price first sentenced him to solitary confinement until the time of his death, a period of six months. He had not been 12 days out of solitary confinement. But as there was no person to cause the matter to be investigated, it was, of course, forgotten. As many of the the poor, sad souls and the convicts of the island were, but we remember them when we go over there and we say hello. And if there's anyone that ever reaches out to help, asking for help through the spirit box, we are always there to help them. Mm. But I think they love the island, even though they had a brutal past there. And part of their soul admires the beauty and the people that are still there. Yeah, and the way that people look after the place. So Mm. we're going to be going back every year if we can. Absolutely. And maybe one day, guys, you can join us. If you want to know more about that trip, just head over to the Anne and Renata-Frightfully-Good page and you can find out all about it. If you'd like to support us by becoming one of our Patreons, also head over to the Patreon and look up Anne and Renata-Frightfully-Good. You'll find us there. Um, I'm not very good at posting stuff on the actual Patreon page, but uh, you, you get a link that comes to a nice little quiet secret group where all the good stuff happens and we've got to get off because we've got to go talk to them right now Renata Mm -hmm. it's almost time so thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode of True Hauntings you know the deal if you've enjoyed it please give us a review even if you've left one before do it again because this little podcast wants to become a mighty engine and take over those big ones we're sick of being told we're only little we like to be big don't we Renata we do anyway guys stay safe and we'll see you on the dark side. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of True Hauntings. If you like the show, give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. For more on Anne and Renata, follow at Anne and Renata on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, or visit their website, www.annandrenata.com. True Hauntings is a part of the Human Labs Podcast Network. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.